The scripture we are looking at this morning is 2 Timothy 2, 14 through 19. Remind them of these things and charge them before God not to quarrel about words, which does no good, but only ruins the hearers. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. But avoid irreverent babble, for it will lead people into more and more ungodliness, and their talk will spread like gangrene. Among them are Herminius and Philetus, who have swerved from the truth, saying that the resurrection has already happened. They are upsetting the faith of some. But God's firm foundation stands, bearing the seal. The Lord knows those who are his. And let everyone whose name's the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. Amen. Thank you, Marcia. Good morning. If you watch any TV at all, one of the things that you'll see is there's all these talk shows out there, and many of them have a platform where it's just to debate and to argue. There is no actual answers. They just debate and argue and go back and forth for an hour, and then they leave you with that, and the ratings are incredibly high. It seems like we just love these talk shows. There is the view. There is the talk. There is the real. There is meet the press with the tagline, if it's Sunday morning, it's meet the press. And I say to them, if it's Sunday morning, it's meet with God. And they need to be doing that a little more. We're a generation that seems to love this war of words. But how do we discern truth? Should we enter into these debates? Is it good for us? Are we building up, edifying the church, building it up in a way in godliness? Or are we just building up our egos because we've won the battle of words? What does that look like for us? What are we doing with our God-given precious time? Are we serving our Lord? Or are we surfing the internet and entering into all the social media and blasting people with words and whatever they have out there? How do we deal with that which is false? How do we enter in teachings that are contrary to the Lord's will and his desire for our life? Well, I think our passage this morning is going to help us to answer some of these questions. So let's ask the Lord to to speak to us. Father, we really do seek your wisdom. We are people who are part of this world, and we want to bring godliness in, and we want to bring words of life. So help us to know how to do that. Help us to know how to, to engage with that which is false. And Lord, help us to do that in a way that is full of love and grace and truth. Teach us this morning, we pray, in your precious name. Amen. The war of words, words of destruction. Timothy is facing in Ephesus all kinds of attack, and and what's happening in Ephesus is there are many false teachers who are bringing all kinds of messages, and they're, they're messing with the young believers. 
and he's dealing with that. One of the main challenges that we see in 1 Timothy, as well as 2 Timothy, is, is confronting and dealing with false teachers. We'll see it often in these passages. And the reason I tell you that is because it, it was important to confront and to deal with what was going on. And I think we, in today's culture, I just don't think we give much attention to false teaching and how to deal with that. When Paul was really adamant about this is what's going on, we have to engage with it, here's how we have to engage, here's what we need to avoid, and a lot of instruction dealing with false teachers. And so I hope it'll open our eyes a little bit. It's still going on today in our community and around the world. And as they're teaching, as, as I call them Jaime and Phil, we'll just use those names, they're teaching this false religion, but it's gaining traction. It's really teaching you can have this best life now because the resurrection has happened. Sounds like Christianity to these young believers. All these perks that come with it. And hey, none of the suffering that comes with Christianity. I'm drawn to that. That feels good in my flesh. It's attractive, it's flashy, the smoke machines cover the lies that are spewing forth from their mouth. The teaching from these these false teachers is doing incredible damage to the community, especially the young ones in the faith. And Paul wants to help Timothy, and he wants to help the church to know how to address this. And so he says to Timothy in verse 14, remind them of these things. It's a command. And it actually has the idea of keep reminding them. Don't stop telling them about these things. Well, remind them of what? The gospel. The good news. Jesus Christ, Son of God. He came in the flesh. Jesus Christ, Son of God, paid for our sin, which we have a sin problem. It needs to be taken care of. He paid for that. He died on the cross for our sin. Jesus Christ rose again. And He is alive. And He is alive today. Keep reminding them of these things. Amidst all this noise that's coming around you. All these words that are coming at you in false teaching. Remind them of Jesus Christ. He is our center. He is our core. He's our foundation. Remind them what was said in verse 11 through 13. Remind them that if you reign with Christ, if you endure, you will reign with Christ. And remember, dear saints, endurance is a team sport. It's a team sport. Enduring in the gospel, the whole theme of 2 Timothy for us, How do we endure? We need one another. We need each other by our sides to help us keep running this race. Remind them that this is going to take place in their lives. Remind them that if we have died with him, guess what? Surely we will rise with Christ. Give them a warning. If they deny Christ, he will deny them. It's serious business. He knows the heart. Stop pretending. Give them a warning. And then give them encouragement. You know what? Hey, we're faithless along the journey, but our God is faithful. Remind them of these beautiful truths. 
He's a covenant God. He's a God who keeps his promises. He cannot go against his nature. And one of the things I reminded you last week is here's what's true. God is good. God is good. All the time and all the time, God is good. You cannot take that away from him. So all the suffering you're going through, all the life challenges, God's nature never changes in that. His view of you and how he loves you, that doesn't change. Our God cannot change his character. In light of that truth about who God is, I want you, verse 14, to charge them to solemnly be a witness, a reminder that our God is present in the middle of all this. Remind them of what? Not to quarrel about words. This is where we get our our title for today's sermon. The real definition of that is remind them in the middle of all these truths about God and who he is and about life in him, remind them not to go to a war of words. A war of words. Again, there was all this battling that was going on, and in the community, I think Paul is getting at a Gnostic teaching that had an intellectual philosophy about Christianity rather than a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Let's take Christianity and let's just make it all knowledge, head knowledge. And let's philosophize about it. Let's debate about it. Let's get into these arguments about it. And there were certain groups that claimed they had more knowledge than other secrets. It was all this intellectual pursuit. Of course, the Word of God and handling the Word of God accurately and knowing exactly what it says because it's His Scriptures... That's important. But he's saying, there's, there's going on in your community this war of words with these false teachers, and you're actually embracing it. And you're starting to dive in too in this intellectual banter over obscure points of doctrine. So you're having the banter, but there's no obedience to Christ. There's no life change. And so he's saying, listen, I don't want you to engage in this war of words. You know, Timothy's a young pastor. He's trying, to, he's trying to figure out how to lead this church, and people are looking down on him because he's young. And so I'm sure in the flesh, he's like, well, I've got to prove myself. I've got to be able to win the argument. And Paul's trying to encourage him, hey, Timothy, don't, don't go there. Don't go there. This war of words does nobody any good. It's of no value. Let me ask you a question. What do you do when you get the knock on the door from a religious group that comes to your door? What do you do? Do you think in your mind, you know what? Yeah, I'm going to have them in. And I am going to set them straight. I am going to go into this argument. All that they bring to the table, I'm just going to shut them down. I'm going to set them straight. They are going to know Jesus after I'm done with them. Is that what you think in your mind? That you're going to set them straight and somehow you're going to win this this great argument with those who knock at your door? God's always looking at our hearts. What's our heart attitude when they show up? If there's a heart attitude, no, you know what? I really do want to, I care about you. I really do want to 
have this conversation and understand it. Uh, that's what God's doing with you, and that's fine. But I've had that happen so many times. People come knocking at my door, and, and I've engaged in conversation with them, and I find myself just going, I get into a war of words. And I find at the end of an hour and a half, none of us are for the better. It's nothing but destructive. And quite honestly, I've been kind of mean in the process. There hasn't been a lot of grace. And God's saying, you know what, you go to this war of words, and it's not doing anybody good. They're trying to win you over, you're trying to win them over, and you're getting into this intellectual deal. The reality of all that stuff is grace upon grace. Just pour out grace. I have gotten to the point now, this is just me personally, but when people come to my door now, because I've done these conversations, I just say, you know, thank you very much. We serve a different Jesus, and so I'm just not going to spend time to enter into this debate because I know where it leads. I know where it leads. So that's what I do, and I do it politely, and I just ask them to move on. Don't get caught up in this. There's so much time spent on the debate And it's taking time, actually, away from living out the gospel of Jesus Christ and loving others. You're doing all this intellectual banter, and you're not loving people. Here's what 1 John says. Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but how? With actions and in truth. Let us be a people devoted to loving other people. You see, when we absorb life and truth, what it moves us to is that God is wanting us to love others. He says, why not enter into these words of, these these war of words? Here's why. It does no good. It's not useful. It's not profitable. It has zero value. And here's what it's doing to the young believers if you're doing this in a community. It says it ruins the hearers. Actually, that word is, it becomes a catastrophe for them. Don't end up diving in to all this stuff to somehow intellectualize and win the debate so that your ego is filled. And aha, we got them. Doesn't do any good. And it messes with people around. Verse 16, and we're going to, to verse 16. We'll come back to 15. Because Paul, again, is really addressing what's going on with false teaching. And we, we want to see that negative part first. And, and he's really strong on it. I want you to avoid irreverent babble, for it will lead people into more and more ungodliness. I want you to avoid, I want you to shun, I want you to turn yourself around. It has this idea of, of this worldly babble it's that, that it's, that's permitted to be trod under your feet. So it has the idea that it's unhallowed. It has the nuance that you're trafficking lightly with the things of God. Or that you're using God and the Bible for personal gain. We see that in 1 Timothy. A lot of these false teachers were out there making a bunch of money. They were doing it for personal gain. I don't want you to enter into this babble, which is fruitless discussions. They are useless matters. Because what it is doing, it's quickly making a path, it's cutting a course forward. But Paul is being sarcastic here, and he's saying, listen, these teachers are bringing this stuff, and it is, it is making a pathway quickly, 
But the truth is, it's going the direction. It's going south. It's going to ungodliness. It's going to wickedness. It's leading people down that path. It's advancing like that. Look at verse 17. It's spreading like gangrene. And those who are teaching it are Hymenaeus and Philetus. Their teaching is taking up pasture, spreading, so that it can be fed upon. Kind of that imagery is this teaching is eating away at your soul. And it's bringing you to a place of wickedness and ungodliness, and it's confusing people. Don't have anything to do with it. Avoid it. Don't try to get into this debate. and, and try. No, it's not good. It's not healthy for the body of Christ. Train your people in truth so that they can stand up under these things. Here's one of the things we know about false teachers. They always become very popular. Why? Why? Because they're always feeding the flesh, aren't they? They're always feeding the flesh. Hey, you can have this incredible life. You can totally be prosperous and have wealth. God wants you to have that. You can make it better. It's feeding the flesh, feeding the flesh, feeding the flesh. They become incredibly popular. And, and, it's, and that's why the words, like gangrene, it spreads quickly. People are attracted to that. And he says, listen, I want you to avoid it. Avoid such teachers. Stay clear of them. Don't, don't waste your time watching them on TV. Don't read their books. Those who are teaching false things that feed your flesh. Augustine said this, If you believe what you like in the gospel and reject what you don't like, it's not the gospel that you believe in, but yourself. But yourself. These teachers, they have swerved, verse 18, from the truth, and they are saying that the resurrection has already happened. They're upsetting the faith of some. They have swerved from, they've wandered from the truth. It's actually an archery term that's a lot like sin. It's Here's the mark. Here's truth. Jesus Christ, center, the gospel. They're shooting their arrows, and they're going all over the place, right and left and up high, and they are missing the mark completely as they're bringing this false gospel. That's what they're doing. And it's throwing people for a loop, especially the young believers. This is what they're doing. They're teaching that the resurrection has already happened. Now, here's what false teachers always do. They always have a little bit of truth. A little bit of truth. Yeah, you know what? The resurrection did happen. But what they're saying in that is, guess what? Now we get to receive all of those beautiful things of eternal glory that we were anticipating, you know, for the other believers. Like, this is going to be heaven. They're saying, no, no, no. This is now. You can have all the abundance now. The kingdom of God now, fully now. Truly your best life now. And the other thing that they were teaching in relation to the resurrection, and which was so confusing to people, is that, hey, it's, it's a spiritual resurrection. If we've died with Christ, we've been raised with him. That's spiritual, not bodily resurrection. But everything was based on the literal physical body resurrection of Jesus Christ. 
that those who are believers in Christ, they too will be raised in body to have new bodies, new life in Christ in eternity with the Lord. Paul is so strong on this in Corinthians 15. He's saying, if Jesus didn't rise in his body, then our faith is useless. It's worthless. And they're teaching, nope, there's no bodily resurrection. Everything's in the spirit now. And quite frankly, what you do with your body doesn't really matter because of spirit. That's the teaching that's coming through, this false teaching. It has a little bit of truth, but they are upsetting the faith of many. They're overturning. That word is really strong. They're overturning. They're destroying the faith. They're ruining them. It's a big deal. And here's the truth, gang. It's happening today. It's happening all across our nation And we need to just be aware of these things. Why? So that we can engage with the young ones who are being drawn to this false teaching. There's a documentary called The American Gospel that deals with, here's what's happening across the world, literally, today, present time, of teachings that are coming out that are not hitting the mark, but they are missing the mark big time. What do we do when we come across false teaching that's leading people off the path? Of righteousness. Well, I think one of the things we do is when we see fallacy, that it's not in line with truth, is that we warn people with grace, but we warn people, and then we let God be the judge of these false teachers. We're not the judge of them. God knows their hearts and what they're all about. He will bring his judgment upon them as he sees fit. That's not our role. But I do think it's our role for those of us who know truth and when we see fallacy to warn people. This is a a dangerous teaching that's coming your way. And there's a lot of young saints that are being attracted to this. Hey, I can be healthy. You know, I'm not meant to be sick. That's the teaching. And if I'm sick, I don't have the blessing of the Lord. If I don't have a lot of abundance, money, I'm not blessed of the Lord. If I'm sick, actually, then you know what? My faith isn't good enough. This is teaching that's going out today. Let us warn people, again, with grace and with truth and with life. We can stand for truth, but let's not enter into that in combative terms where we're just fighting all the time. Let's stand for truth, but again, with love and with grace and bringing God's truth into the middle of it. Let's speak truth into these issues where a lot of people are just confused. Great hearts, but young in the faith, and they're receiving all this teaching, and it's kind of like, I I don't get it. I'm drawn to it. My heart is for the Lord, but boy, this teaching is, I don't understand it. Let's, Let's bring truth into the middle of that. Again, lots of love, Lots of grace. Here's what you know. Our dear Mormon friends who come and, and they, they are wanting to know Jesus just like we are. The only people that I've, that I've brought out of, of the Mormon faith and into, into a real relationship with Jesus Christ has only come because it's just been full of grace. Not because we had this intellectual banter where I won the argument somehow. It's only because they received the grace of the Lord. And we just kept talking about who Jesus really is. Be a people of grace out there. How can we have significant impact 
against that which is false. Point two, by bringing straight words, the word of truth, do your best, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. You stay focused, Timothy. All the stuff around you is coming out. You stay focused on truth, on the gospel. Keep the main thing, the main thing, which is Jesus Christ. That's how we battle that which is false. Let us keep staying on the truth, not be ashamed of the, of the truth and handling it well so that we're not ashamed. That when we bring the truth and then also that we start to go deeper and deeper into the gospel. Yes, Jesus died on the cross for our sin. He loves us. He rose again when we received him. We're given life. Now, it's what does life look like with him now? We go deeper and deeper into the gospel relationship with Jesus and know him more. And we bring that to the table. Philippians 3, I count everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ my Lord. Oh, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and that I may share in his sufferings. How do we combat? How do we enter in, deal with that which is false? We bring the truth. We bring the gospel full of grace and love. And let me just say something. This verse 15 and this passage, it's not just for pastors. It's for all of us as followers of Jesus Christ. Are we not called to make disciples? Are we not called to teach the word, to bring the word, to pass on the baton? Are we not the ones training up the next generation? This isn't just for leaders in the church. It's for all of us as saints, as followers of Jesus Christ. The word of God, we should be great students of the word of God so that we can bring truth. We should hold it with a high reverence. So dear people, this isn't just for those up front. Let us be ones who are taking seriously passing on the scriptures. We are held accountable before God in these things. How do you battle false doctrine? Look what the scriptures say in verse 15. Do your best... That's a poor translation. Kind of sounds like Johnny at baseball. Hey, Johnny, get up there. Do your best. Hopefully you get a hit. The, the word is, I want you to be ones who are eager, bent upon. I want you to be striving after, seeking approval from the Lord, like metal being tested, hot under the fire. I want you to be ones who are striving to bring the word. And here's the key, key word in all of this. Rightly handling, rightly handling the word of truth. That word has that foundation, ortho. You ever been to the orthodontist? It means to make straight. Making straight the word of God. How do you deal with all this that's coming around you that is false? What is our call Our call is to make straight. And here's what it has the idea of. It has the idea of plowing through and making a straight path through. For us today, it would be like making a road that is straight, that people can stay on that straight path. For us today, 
let's make a road right through Vegas that's straight. Because everybody's wanting to get called off. The lights are attractive. And they're wanting to swerve off the straight path. But we've got Vegas all around us. Everything, all these words, this is what life really should look like. Everything's coming at us. No, make a straight path in the Word of God. Help others follow that. Stay on the straight path. This is how we we go and challenge and go against that which is false. We keep people on the straight path. And as followers of Jesus Christ, as we handle the Word, it takes hard work. It takes dedication. I want you to know something for us as pastors of this church and for us as elders. We take very seriously the teaching of the Word of God. It's a core conviction for us that we will walk through the Bible and we've chosen to walk through it book by book, verse by verse, expositional teaching, because we want you to know the Word of God, not, not what Rod thinks about it, what ja- Josh or Jackson thinks about it, what God says about these things. We want you to know it. You're good students of the Word. Be good Bereans. Know His truth. And we want to take you through that. And there's a ton of accountability for us who bring the Word on Sundays. I just want you to know as a body of Christ, it's significant for us. And I know Josh and myself and Jackson, I mean, easily 30, 40 hours to prepare for a Sunday morning. Easily. Because we take it seriously, as you should. The Word of God is life. It helps us stay on the straight path. And we're not doing this to please men. We're doing it so that you can know how to have life and how to engage in this world in a way that is pleasing to God, that's obedient to Him. We're not doing it to please men. Howard Hendricks says you should ask those questions. Is the Lord well pleased with the way I'm handling His truth? That's for all of us again. In our Bible studies, as we're teaching children, or am I somehow trying to get flattered in the middle of it? I hope you notice me and how great of a teacher I was on that Sunday. Is the Lord well pleased with you? That you don't need to be ashamed of the way that you've handled the Word of God. That you've looked at it carefully. And that what you're passing on to the next generation is actually true. Let us be ones who are not ashamed. We should ask the question, is the work well done? Are we taking it lightly? Bertaldo, who was the master teacher for Michelangelo. Michelangelo was working on a statue one day, and he was just kind of puttering on it. And Bertaldo came in with a sledgehammer, and he just destroyed that statue. It went into a thousand pieces. And he yelled at Michelangelo, and he said, Listen, Michelangelo, talent is cheap. Dedication is costly. I think we're sometimes forgetting the sacrifice and the dedication to the words of life of the Scripture. We'll just kind of read a verse quickly and then just throw it out there instead of really understanding and passing along in a way where it takes dedication and really understanding it, not taking it lightly. This is the Word of God. We have the obligation as followers of Jesus Christ 
to pass this along to our next generation. Not just the teacher, all of us. Is it well done? And is it well used? It's not just written and it's not to teach just to satisfy our curiosity, but to change our life, to transform us. Is it well used? Let's keep bringing the word of truth. Let's keep cutting that path straight. Let's be in the word as followers of Jesus Christ. You see, you cannot impart that which you do not have. Let's be men and women who are just soaking in the word. And then as we're soaking in receiving, as we're learning, then we're passing that on. Let us be faithful to that. There is a sacrifice. There's a time commitment. But why are we spending so much time in debating all these things and not time in the word of God where it is life receiving? Our priorities sometimes are really messed up, I think. And I include myself in that. Communicate, keep communicating the truth. Let us be a body that's helping others. Cut through all the noise. Stay on that street straight through Vegas. Speaking real truth, the real gospel. Well, who ends up winning the word war? You know what? God is the judge of that. Here's what we know. We know we're in a battle for truth in this society, but we do know that God's truth, his kingdom, will always prevail. He will always have victory. So be encouraged. God's truth, going forward, will have victory. Keep cutting the straight path, even though sometimes you're exhausted and you feel like you're getting attacked all the time. Endure. Endure in the gospel. Look at verse 19. God's firm foundation stands, bearing the seal. The Lord knows who are his, and let everyone who names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. God's truth stands firm. And we can stand firm on the rock, which is Christ Jesus our Lord. Let's make that our center. Let's bring people to Jesus and Jesus alone. On this rock, I will build my church. And guess what? The gates of Hades cannot prevail against it. You see, God's truth is going to break through those gates. Even though there's all this false teaching going on and all this stuff that's against what really the Lord has for life, guess what? God's truth is going to have victory. He's going to be the judge of all that. He knows who are his own. He knows the heart. He knows what's true. There is a seal marked upon us, those who are his. This kind of references back to uh, number 16. There's a story there. I want you to read it today. It's a fascinating story. And if you love just explosive stories full of war and, and God's wrath, it's an awesome story. But Korah and many in his tribe, Korah and others are coming against Moses and Aaron. Basically, they're sick and tired of Moses and Aaron. They're like tired of their leadership. And they say, listen, we're tired of you guys leading. Moses gets on his face, cries out before God, and says before Korah and the others, listen, God will decide those who are his. You're saying you're his, and you're saying we're not. God's going to decide. He's the judge. He knows the heart. So let's come together tomorrow, and we're going to hash this out before the Lord. 
So they come before the tent of meeting, and God speaks to Moses and Aaron and says, I think you want to step back a little bit. And Korah just goes off on Moses, just saying what a terrible person he is, and how dare he. And then all of a sudden, the earth opens up and swallows up alive into that which is dead, Korah and all of his clan. And then fire from heaven comes out and consumes the other 250 who were protesting against Moses and Aaron. God decides. You see, Hymenaeus and Philetus, they are not sealed by me. I know their hearts. They are against me. And they're leading you down the wrong path. I decide who is mine. And when my seal is stamped upon you, now you have life in me, and so depart from iniquity. Your mark, your identifier that you belong to me is your one who's now living in righteousness. Depart from iniquity and start to live in truth and start to walk in truth and teach truth. Let us keep cutting that straight path and let us help people to take that road that leads directly to Jesus who is the way, the truth, and the life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just, again, I humbly ask you this morning that you will help us to be wise. Be wise with our words. Be wise with our time. Be wise in the way that we're presenting truth. Help us to be a gracious people. But help us to continue to cut the path straight on your foundation of truth and on your foundation of Jesus, our Savior. We love you, Lord, and we long to follow you in obedience. Help us to endure in the gospel. Amen.